Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Good morning, Three Creeks. Man, it's a privilege and an honor to be here. Um, when Joel asked me, it seems like it's been months. And so um, he told me, informed me that you guys have been going through Ephesians. And you started in January, which I'm a kind of a product of an expository church. We get in a book and it's not uncommon that we're in there about two years, three years, set the backdrop and context and and so I feel like it's a, a, a privilege. Uh, my name's Mike Roddy. Uh, and as Joel said, I'm one of the pastors at Lagos Bible Church. But my claim to fame is, number one, I'm a child of God. Number two, I'm a husband of 40 years. Uh, and I'm married way over the tip of my skis. Uh, and uh, Mary's been my helpmeet and my, uh, my support couldn't do it without her. And then I'm the father of four adult kids. And this is my short, brief advice to you fathers. Um, Don't make it about you. You desperately need God uh, as you father. And um, don't take all the credit when when they do well. And don't take all the blame when they don't do so well. And you'll be just fine. And and last but not least, behind every good man is a better woman. And so hats off, Father's Day really, hats off to you moms and you wives. And and so that's my brief uh, Father's Day message. But open up your word uh, to Ephesians chapter 6. And before I get started, I would like to pray uh, for us in our time together. Gracious Heavenly Father, I have nothing to tell these dear people, but I pray that you do. Use these clay lips and, and uh, this vessel, Father, uh, who is willing, uh, help me to get out of the way. And anything that I say out of my own opinion uh, that doesn't square with your uh, precious word, may it go in one ear and out the other. But those uh, words that are from you, Father, may it sink deep. Move us to life change that we might look more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, as you know, uh, Paul wrote this uh, from prison. And it was a house arrest. uh, And I'm sure you know the context. It's very important when you study the word of God to understand the context uh, of the, of the uh, work of the letter here. And he wrote this, this letter to the young believers in Ephesians, and he was motivated by their love for one another and by their faith. And he, was, uh, he started the church on his second missionary journey, and on his third missionary journey, he spent close to three years ministering to them and got to know them very well. And and just the way this, this uh, work is laid out, it is, it, is, uh, it is highlighting the importance of the church. 
He wrote Colossians around the same time from prison, and that is about the, the, the supremacy of Christ, the head. And Ephesians could be uh, the focus or is the focus of the body of Christ and the mystery of the two, the Jew and the Gentile, becoming one before God. And now he uh, comes to the end of his letter. This would have been a letter no different than, uh, I think some of us still write letters, uh, where uh, he's coming to the end. But there's a context of chapter 6, and I want to remind us of the context before we look at our passage 18 uh, and following, 18 through 20. The context is found uh, in chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. And then he goes on and he finishes by saying that in, in uh, chapter or verse 17, that uh, the offensive weapon, God didn't leave us naked uh, in this conflict. Um, he tells us that our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's a, there's a spirit of, of, of that, that's active in the sons of disobedience, he tells us in chapter 2. And so the backdrop of this, as he introduces this, this armament, if you would, uh, Paul using uh, the Roman soldier, he reminds us uh, that there's a battle. And the battle's been going on since the beginning of time. And it's between God and the elect angels and Satan and the fallen angels that we call demons. And whether you recognize it or not, if, if you don't believe that there is a, a, uh, an evil one, the epitome of evil, then Satan has done his job. Uh, because if you don't believe he's real, he can continue to work, as Paul says, uh, his schemes. And we know from Paul's writings and from Scripture that his schemes is to divide and conquer. He divides churches uh, to conquer. He divides marriages. We see that, uh, the st statistic when I was in seminary back in 1996 was one out, at, out of every two marriages ended uh, in divorce. And uh, that statistic is still uh, consistent today. And so he wants to divide the family. He wants to divide a church. He wants to divide the, the people of God, the body of Christ from the leadership. And this is a special day as you recognize uh, Levi uh, and, and consider him as an elder. I, I got to meet him before service. Um, but that's so important. And Paul's going to tell us what we should be doing as a church. In verse 17 of chapter 6, he says, uh, and take up the helmet of salvation. Helmet protects the head. Uh, wonderful metaphor for 
for the, the word of God, our salvation, our inheritance, uh, protects our mind from the attacks of the, of the enemy. But then he says something very interesting. And also the sword, the spirit, which is the word of God. The word in the Greek for sword is makaira, and you probably studied this. And it was a special sword invented by the, the Roman Empire, and it was about 18 inches long, and it was a double-edged sword, and they kept it sharp. And it was made uh, so that the Roman Empire could conquer their enemies hand, in hand-to-hand combat, up close. And the authors of Scripture, uh, the author of Hebrews says that Uh, The word of God is like a double-edged sword, able to cut and divide bone from marrow. The intentions and thoughts of the heart, the spirit from the soul. In other words, uh, God's word can be cutting and uh, and can change a person's life. I like to refer to it as surgery. When you became a believer and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you realize that he died in your place as Messiah, the Son of God, the prophesied one, the anointed one, God in the flesh. And that was according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and on the third day he rose from the grave to prove that he is who he says he is. He walked out of the grave, and And that is our great hope. And Paul lets us know in this letter that it's nothing we can do. It's not the works that we do that pleases God. We've got nothing to offer God. It's all been done for us. So it's by faith, not by works, that a person is justified, declared, legal declaration that you are right before a holy God. And that your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west, as the psalmist writes. And that you are a child of God. And so Ephesians could also be summed up as who we are in Christ. He uses the phrase, in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved, in Christ Jesus but it's pregnant with meaning. It means that we received his righteousness, not of our own righteousness, but it was the great uh, exchange. He took on our sin, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he gave us his righteousness. So when the father looks at a child of God, he sees his son the perfection and sinlessness of his son. That is our position. So Ephesians reminds us of who we are in Christ. Many Christians live like uh, victims and not like a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen race, as Peter wrote, a people for God's own possession so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness 
into his light. We become children of light. If you're having a self-esteem problem, that's the problem. There's no esteem in ourselves. And I'm not, again, I don't want to beat us down, but to realize it's all because of God and all because of Christ, our salvation. We didn't find him. He came to us. The convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and now we bring the Spirit into view. The convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convince an unbeliever of their need for a Savior. That they're a sinner. And, and they fall short of God's glory. And they're separated from the God of life and peace and joy. And once the Holy Spirit works on a heart, don't ever try to witness I know this is a segue, until you've covered that person in prayer, that God the Holy Spirit is active in convincing them of, of judgment if they don't get right with God. You better watch out. I have a little Baptist in me. <laughs> I grew up Baptist, and I'm not going to turn this into a hell and brimstone message, but the truth of the matter is it's all because of God. That we can sit here and experience his presence, his love, his power. And so this is what, now, now we're getting to the text. In verse 18. With all prayer and petition. Does everyone see that? With all prayer and petition... Pray at all times in the Spirit. I want to stop there. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Uh, again, it's kind of like what Jesus said in John chapter 15, uh, that we can do nothing if we disconnect from Christ. We can do nothing if we're not abiding in Christ. And so Paul's going to tell us we need to be praying for one another because of this battle. There's an enemy who's on the prowl, wants to devour us, which means he wants to remove any evidence that you ever existed or that I ever existed. That, that's the enemy. And the enemy hates the things of God. The enemy hates the fact that we've gathered today uh, to exalt God through the study of his word, through praise uh, and, and prayer and music. This is our offering and the enemy hates it. And we have to realize that. Now this isn't Flip, I'm dating myself. This isn't Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. The devil was behind every bush. This is just acknowledging uh, the backdrop of, of this world and what's going on in the spiritual realm. And that's what Paul's Wanting to remind us. He says in verse 10 of chapter 6. Finally be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. So that you will be able to stand firm. Against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers. Against the powers. Against the, the world forces of darkness. Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. Paul calls, uh, calls Satan 
in chapter 2 that he is the prince of the power of the air. You wonder, I, I subscribe to uh, the Wall Street Journal, you wonder why there is bad news every day. It's because it's a, it's a, a sinful world. But the, the, the good news is God is at work through his people, the mystery of the church. In this day and age, through uh, the body of Christ, you and me. But he says in, in every prayer, and, and there's different aspects to our, our prayer life, you shouldn't just be asking God for stuff. It shouldn't be a laundry list. There's so full, uh, there, there's such a full range of, of the dynamics of prayer. We should be adoring God. Have you ever sat and just adored who God is? Um, and just praise him for who he is? And then there should be always thanksgiving. What God has promised. He's a promise keeper. What he is doing in your lives, in your family lives. Even in the midst, or especially in the midst of chaos. Of this world. People die. They get sick. They lose jobs. They lose houses. They are divided from family relationships. Life is, is a mess uh, without God. But with God, and knowing that he's working and that he is a promise keeper, uh, then we should be thanking him for what he's done in our lives, what he's doing in our lives, and the promises that he's given and made and will keep. So that's an aspect. Then there's supplication. Under supplication, there is Petition. You ask for yourself. Nothing wrong with God. Heal me. Uh, God, settle my spirit, my anxious spirit. Father, uh, give me strength for this season in my life. And then part of supplication is also interceding, and that's what he's encouraging us to do. Do you pray for one another? Look around the room and see who God has directed to this body. Do you know that's God's purpose and plan for your life? That he calls you, places you, directs you to a local body of believers so that, and Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 here, so that you might exercise your giftedness, your spiritual giftedness, to build the body up in love to a complete man, a mature believer. As you consider elders, it's a spiritual qualification. Are they spiritually mature? Now, we're all in process. Even Paul said that I haven't arrived, that I'm still uh, progressing. He told Timothy, run it away, though, that you can notice your progress. There's nothing wrong with giving God the props, saying, I'm a different person today than I was 40 years ago when I got married. I'm a different person today than I was last week, because God continues to show me and do surgery on my heart of stone. 
but we're to pray for each other. Now, I'm not going to have you turn here, but in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul gives us great insight on how we should be praying for one another. It's how he was praying for the young believers in Ephesus. Um, he prayed, number one, that their eyes of their heart might be opened, might be opened, illuminated, clear vision. It's having an eternal perspective. It's having um, uh, spiritual mindedness. It's not so much what would Jesus do, what would Jesus think first. It's setting your mind on the things above, seated beside Christ. That's who we are in Christ. We're seated beside him on the right hand of the Father in exaltation. Paul also says we should be praying for one another um, that we might understand and know and experience the hope of our calling. Now, that's interesting. Part of the calling is how he's gifted you, how he's directed you to live out your, your, uh, your Christian life. Paul tells us in Romans 12 that our Christian life is our sacrifice. It is, it is uh, uh, presenting a living and holy sacrifice before the God who created all, redeemed all, is making all things new through his Son. But to understand the hope, and, and the word hope there is used in, in the definition of faith there in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. A good uh, synonym for hope is expected. It's not arrogant to expect God to do what he says he's going to do because he's a God of, of pure character, holy character righteousness. So uh, as we pray for one another, pray that, that we all might get a glimpse, and not only a glimpse, but we might be absorbed in the hope of our calling to serve God, to, to uh, fill up the fullness of God to a dark and dying world, to be salt and light, to be an aroma of Christ, not an aroma of death. And then he says that we might know the power. And, and look, look it up on your own when you're home. Maybe that could be your devotion. Ephesians chapter 1. That we might know the power, and then he defines the power he's talking about. It's resurrection power. There's no greater power that can change a human heart. That's what God's up to. That can move us from being narcissistic and selfish and move us to being selfless, serving as Christ modeled for us. Paul says, what you've learned and heard and seen in me, imitate me. And he wasn't being arrogant because he went, went on to say, because I'm imitating Jesus. Realized that Paul had a one-on-one -on -one mentoring uh, session with the risen Lord for probably over three years in the Arabian desert. That's what he writes about in Galatians. 
And so that we might know the power, resurrection power. Then it goes on to, to explain exaltation power. That's when God uh, called his son home. When he prayed in John chapter 17, restore unto me the glory I had before the, the beginning of the earth. And then he ascended into heaven after 40 days of, of ministering to the apostles He ascended and was seated at the right hand. That's exaltation power. And then there in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about dominion power. Do you know we're going to be reigning with Christ as faithful, devoted followers of Jesus Christ? That's what a Christian is. That's the definition of a Christian. And so Paul's encouraging us today to pray for one another Uh, It's okay to pray, you know, this person's sick, please heal them. This person lost their their job. That's, I'm I'm not downing that at all. But the focus of our prayer is that, that we might all be experiencing God's power in our lives. Again, no greater power that can change a priority system in a person's heart, can change their character, can change their emotional state. Can change their thought life. And so that's how Paul has shown us through inviting us in as he is telling the young church in Ephesus of how we should be praying. And so look with me again in verse in verse uh, 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times, unceasingly. Well, Mike, I don't know, can we sleep and still be praying? Prayer is an open line to God, and it's two-way. He communicates to us through his word. We communicate to him through our uh, offering of praise, through studying the word. We need to become people of the book, dividing accurately truth, discerning, and being able to apply truth in our lives, in every decision we make. Now, some decisions are more important than others, but man, a praying church where you're praying for each other. And you say, well, there's not enough time. There's a lot of people uh, that are being added to Three Creeks. Well, just take one. Start with one. I've always said as God brings to mind someone that that you serve with, here at Three Creeks, that you minister with, that you, that you uh, interact with in, the, in small groups, as God brings that person to mind, pray those kind of prayers, that the eyes of their hearts might be enlightened, that they might experience the hope of their calling. God has a plan, a unique plan for every single one of us. And then he says which is astounding. Uh, Notice how if you study out Ephesians, he's in prison, but he doesn't pray. He he says, I hope I'll be released. I I feel like I'll be released. But but his focus on his prayers and when he asks for prayers is something totally different than what we usually pray for. Let's look. And he tells us, pray at all times in the spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert. That's a uh, war talk, 
battleground talk. Be on the alert with all perseverance. Don't grow tired. Stand firm under the pressures of the culture, under the pressures of, of you know, being a conservative evangelical. It's becoming, becoming more and more unpopular. I'm 62. By the way, I was a little offended by the it had the 68-year-old all bent over with a gray beard. I remember when I was younger, I thought 62 was ancient. And I feel like that guy, uh, that little stick figure guy. But he says, with pers uh, perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on behalf on my behalf. Does everyone see that in, in 19? And pray on my behalf that utterance, that my speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. Paul's saying, look, I don't want to get out of prison because he, in other uh, parts of his writings, he says, look, the gospel's going out to Caesar and his household. The mystery of the gospel is that the Jew and the Gentile are one. That's Ephesians 2 and 3. And the boldness to open his mouth and let the lion out of the cage. To open his mouth, to be bold, that he might receive utterance. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's the context of, of uh, verse 17. It's the Holy Spirit within us that was given to us as a pledge, as a guarantee. And we were sealed in the Holy Spirit. And it's a guarantee of our inheritance that awaits us. The riches of, of the glory of our inheritance. And there in the, in the prayer in Ephesians 1, it says that the saints are God the Father's inheritance. We are his inheritance. That blows you away. It's called God esteem, knowing who you are in Christ. But Paul is asking, and this is, I'm going to conclude, this is how you should be praying and, and I will be praying uh, for your pastor, Joel, and for the leadership of this church. That they might be bold, that they might be connected and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, that they might be taking the guidance of the Holy Spirit as he wields the sword, which is the word of God, and proclaims it. He says that I might be bold twice. And he knew at this point, this was house arrest, he was going to be released, and then he was going to be imprisoned again. And the second imprisonment was, was a little more... Uh, containing, if you would. He was in, in the inner parts of, of a Roman uh, prison in a hole that was dug in the inner parts because Paul had become an enemy of the state, the imperial state of Rome. And Paul knew that he would have to stand before Caesar. And he's praying for boldness, not for deliverance, not for physical deliverance, but for boldness that he might open his mouth. That's how you should be praying for your, your pastor. That's why our lives uh, depend on the word of God working in our, in our lives.
Now, I think Joel even would tell you that if all you're relying on is his teaching on Sundays, you're going to be, you are and you will remain a, a spiritual anorexic. You need to see that the Word of God is opened up to you to dig in and to study it like your life depends on it. If we could see the angelic conflict, we would all roll up in a fetal position and, and not move. If we saw the spiritual realm and the battles that are, that are raging around churches, around pastors, around leaders of churches, around uh, servants of, of God in a, in a local body. And they don't rest. And so Paul's saying, look, prayer is powerful. And we need to be praying. And we need to be praying for one another, the saints, the holy ones. And we also need to be praying for our leaders, for our pastors. That they might know the mystery of the gospel, but be bold to proclaim it in a, in a way that is filled with grace and truth and love. I went over to India. I've been to India three times. That's not a pat on my back because wow, what a, an experience. And I remember the first time I went over, you know, seminary educated. Um, boy, I got a lot to teach them. I learned so much from them. And our host pastor, first time I gave the gospel in an old uh, village out in, the, out in the boondocks. And, and they didn't have electricity. There was, there was fires going. And, and um, I was giving them uh, the hope we have in Christ. But, uh, but I was really hitting on the judgment of God. And our host pastor pulled me aside afterwards. And he said, you know, that is, that's part of the gospel. Wonderful a man, a godly man. He said, but you know, the Indian people need to hear about God's love too. That it was love that motivated God to send his son. That he loved us before we loved him. And I, I changed the gospel. And it was, it was amazing how God was working. They came out of a Hindu system uh, that has millions and millions of, of gods. In their, in their system of religion. They are so bound up. And it's all work related. And they have to do certain things to please all of these different gods. And they never feel loved by their gods. At least that was the testimony of our host pastor who grew up in Hinduism. And it opened my eyes to how brilliant Christianity is and how brilliant the gospel is and God's plan that he, that he devised before the foundations of the earth that we might become a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for God's own possession we're his inheritance and so if, if the takeaway, if nothing else, that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, let's start living in light of who we are in Christ and continue to search the scriptures and ask questions and, and become a, a student of the word that you might know your inheritance and the hope of your calling and the riches, the heavenly riches that is available to us now and we start living like victors in Christ.
Christ has already defeated the grave, sin. So that's Paul's encouragement to the young church there in Ephesus. And I would like to close and, and pray for us. And, and uh, again, I so much appreciate you being so patient and, and listening to a different voice. And, and uh, I'll be praying for three creeks. Um, gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful uh, that you loved us first and that you sent your son to die in our place. We deserved it. But you provided a way that we might have a life with you, a life of, of, of power and joy and peace. And that you just didn't leave us groping around in the dark, but that you inspired the authors of scripture to write down that we might uh, thousands of years later open it up and, and know the mind of your son, the mind of Christ, know your breath, your will for our lives and know the voice of the Holy Spirit within us. And you preserve this word, your precious word, this gift that, that is beyond. But May we always be people that worship the God, you, that this Bible reveals. Uh, and it is in Jesus' name, the name above all names that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.